Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Nadgarni, joined today by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, New York Times best-selling author, SZA superfan, Chris Herring is back on the show. Chris... It's been a little while since we've spoken, my man. How are you? Stuff's all right, man. I'm 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 mostly mad at how I I gave you information 13 seconds ago about something related to SZA, and now I'm a SZA super fan. I hate you. <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't even the one that went to the concert. My the girl po- and her and my sister went. <laughs> the podcast game is a dirty one. I've been watching. I've been watching Succession finally, so I'm all about making you power have. plays. I'm all about you making have. power plays. Well, now that like people from sports and pop culture websites aren't tweeting about it every day, I find it <laughs> I find it easier to watch without all the discourse. It's funny and you I, say that because I think I just saw a tweet that said that this next season might be the last one, which if we're keeping it a buck, it probably needs to be. I yes. love the show, but it probably still needs to be the last season. Like so it, I um I'm back from vacation. Thank you to the patience of all of our listeners. I know we've been on a weird schedule here for the last couple of weeks and I'm sure you guys have seen maybe some of the news going on at SI. It's we're all just, we're all day to day right now. Um, I was on vacation. I had two very long flights and I knocked out a ton of succession episodes. I'm in the middle of season three and, and I just want you to know my dad agrees. Ooh. I told, I told my dad I'm finally watching and he's like, they're dragging it out. So yes, um, yeah. A lot of my shows that I really, really like, <sighs> Billions started to feel that way after they got rid of a key character. Like a lot of these shows just need to be over. And even yeah. if I like them, I can say that it makes me feel better about mm-hmm. the fact that even good things should come to an end. And you can feel when something's stalling and it's like, this is stalling a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. speaking of good things that need to come to an end, Chris, do we want to briefly touch on the NBA All-Star game or no? <laughs> No, it needs to come to a complete end. I mean, I, you know what? Like, it's rare I do this. Uh, <laughs> you're on our podcast. I don't need to send you somewhere else to listen to other stuff. But Amin El Hassan had a great take on Levitard uh, the other day, might have been yesterday, where he just was like, yo, we're talking about who was it? Was it Shea? Uh, Gilgis Alexander is like, yo, money talks. You know, like if you pay more, uh, the players more and you know yeah i know we're incentivizing through charities the players don't get a cut of that which sounds so selfish by the way like i'm all for charities but like the players shouldn't need 
pay as motivation. And Amin brought up a very good point from that standpoint where he said, when these guys are out there playing really hard in uh, games at the Drew and getting hurt in some cases, Shed Holmgren yeah. got hurt. Yeah, They're not being paid to do that. They pick teams right before they roll the ball out. Those are unannounced beforehand. Like, in some cases, those aren't, you know. So, like, what? why do we need to pay people? Like, why does it need to be... Why are people so cool about this when they work their asses off when they're playing in, in games at the Drew, for instance, like games that are street games? Uh, I think he's right. And I, I just don't know what more you can really do to incentivize it. Like, if you're going to play it the way they just played it, you might as well be playing flag football, which is what the NFL has done. And it seems to be adding a new kind of interest in it because they're kind of waving the white flag of like, this is not hardcore, super competitive. If that's not what it is, then say that. And, you know, but this was layup lines left and right. And, you know, I know that you always are happy to have an anti-Boston agenda. It's not that for me, but it it kind of felt so lame that Tatum breaks the record for (laughs) all-star scoring. And it's like, I mean, he was on fire from three, so (laughs) credit where it's due. But, like, there's so many uncontested lives. Like, Pascal Siakam, if you watch the first half of that game, Pascal Siakam had, like, 18 points just on, like, layups where no one was there. Mm -hmm. People would move out of his way to let him have a layup. And it's just like, this is lame. So, and then also, it was like, with the Elam ending, I feel like this is the first year we've seen the Elam ending not work, really. Where the one team was so far ahead that by the time the team that was behind got three or four stops in a row and could have made a game of it, it was too late because the yeah. other team only needed one basket. Yeah. And, you know, all they had to really stop doing was shooting half-court shots to get the one basket. So it just felt lame. And, uh, you know, if you have to ask the question of whether someone saved a dunk contest, it's ultimately still probably not oh that good. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know. Listen, it's the all-star weekend and you have a guy who's played zero minutes winning the dunk contest this year. The snow shade to Mac McClung. Good for him. But either make the dunk contest. We found the five best dunkers from all over the world on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, or get stars in it or cancel it. The actual yep. game was terrible. It was one of the worst I've ever seen. And so, like someone in the league has got to take charge. And I mean that amongst the players, because I feel like one player tried it opens the door for the next guy to try, but everyone's trying to play it too cool. Everyone's trying to, you know, nobody wants to be the guy who's playing too hard and people keep coming up with fixes when this never, this wasn't a problem 15 years ago. This wasn't a problem mm-hmm. 20 years ago because the players play. And you, I, that's a great point that Amin has about, you know, I bet LeBron's I'm not even joking. I bet LeBron James's space jam pickup games were more competitive than this. Absolutely. And they Absolutely. just, they, it's just, it's just no one, they think people, it's like people like it's not cool to try during the all-star game. I don't get it. And another thing people say is this is for the kids. This is not for us. Mm. When I was a kid, I loved the all-star game because the game mattered a little bit. The players tried, Um, you know, 20 years ago, I remember Michael Jordan's last game. I, uh, oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the 2007, I wrote about this, the skills competition field in 2007 was LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, and Chris Paul. That was what I got to see as a kid. Not like, I didn't know the five of them did the skills challenge combined in their career, let alone in one year. Instead, instead it's like a tentacumpo nepotism. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, but between that and, and I think Amin pointed that out in what he said is that you have guys that are fringe or like related to somebody yeah. in that competition year after year after year. And so they have a team in Tudukumbo for that, you know, uh, because of that. And then you have Mac McClung. It's like you have people that basically aren't really truly part of the league, certainly not in an all-star context, um, but they're like really, really heavily involved in these challenges or these, you know, events. Um, and frankly, they make it more enjoyable to watch because they're either good at what they do or they're trying really hard. The skills challenge sometimes looks like it is very much like, oh, I'm kind of too cool to be here. Nobody dribbles as fast as they can. Um, it's 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 a little bit disappointing. And um, on the same wavelength, like I respect that Giannis, um, he, you know, that he showed up for the mm-hmm. sake. You remember, dude, I don't know if you saw this part right before it started and as they were drafting, I think Ernie Johnson asked him like, Giannis, you got an injury yeah. of your own. Like, are you going to mm-hmm. play? And he was like, you know, like, whatever I can do, I'm going to do. Yeah. People pay money for this. Yeah. So he suited up for, like, the first play. Right. And then sat the bench the rest of the game. And it's like, couldn't you have sat out for good and just let somebody else be an all-star at that point? Um, We have these ridiculous crunches every year where there's always a couple other more guys that deserve it. Um, I didn't quite understand that. I don't know. Like I, I said, we shouldn't even talk about the All Star game, but it was it was yeah. not good this year. Yeah, it was very evident that it wasn't good this year, and it is a problem that you have to work this hard to get people to care about something that, um, you know, used to be like that. I I hate being this guy. Someone posted the the Twitter clip of Kobe and Stefan Marbury going back and forth, uh, going at it, you know, several years ago, where Kobe's hitting tough jumper after tough jumper and. Steph is coming down and taking three after three, but they're well contested for the most part. And the final score of that game and the going in the last minute of that game was something like 109 to 108 or 107. It's like it was within the realm of scores you could actually see in a real NBA game. These games always end 185 to 176. And it's just like that's with them bricking shot after shot after shot for portions of the game as they're trying to shoot half court threes to end the game with Dame and everybody else. So it, frustrating isn't even really the word like can you imagine paying money for like you and i can get go to those games as a reporter can you imagine paying money for a ticket to go watch them play and not try like at that level where you're paying thousands of thousands of dollars for a ticket couldn't be me terrible terrible (laughs) people like it's for kids i'm sure kids loved the 42 minute halftime show (laughs) like that halftime show was fire, though. That was I the mean, only good thing about it. Listen, I would I would have watched Thames for forty two minutes. <laughs> um, they could have gotten Carmelo all, all the way off, off oh, my screen. Though. Another I have just so many, a, just a yeah. miserable decision by the NBA to to keep them involved. Wow, uh, God, the draft took too long. We just uh, listen. We're gonna get into our second half preview here. We got a rambling episode. <laughs> Swenson, I can just feel them typing already. At least we're um, talking about basketball. At least we're though. talking about basketball. But yeah. go watch Bomani Jones on Carl Malone on Twitter. Yes, You'll please. Find it. Yes, um, please. Th- he, that's all you need to know. We'll leave it at that for right now. But, Chris, let's get into our makeshift. It's not even the second half preview. You know, it's the more of the Last final quarter. quarter of the season here. We're, we're deep into this season. You, I thought you astutely wrote in the playmaker this week that most of the big questions in the league happen to be out west 
so we're gonna we're gonna run through some second half questions here. I'm gonna make you know sprinkle some of my own masala on your questions. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, and uh, well, that was a good laugh. Um, we'll we'll look at the league that way. We'll, we'll touch on the East uh, just a tiny bit as well. Let me actually start with the Golden State Warriors. You wrote. You know, about which star do you think will come back first? We have some big stars missing. It was funny reading through your newsletter this Chris week, <laughs> leading through your newsletter this week, Chris, rather. How many teams are waiting for Carl Towns? Like, remember Carl Anthony Towns? I do he's remember gone, him. He's been gone for 40 games, is it? Uh, 30 games? He's been gone for a huge chunk of the season. You mentioned Maxi Kleber in Dallas. That's a big one. We got a lot of big names this thing, but I want to start with the Golden State Warriors because you wrote about how they're waiting for Steph to return. I, I think it's going to be next eight to ten days or so. But have we given the Warriors front office a pass this season? Because I feel like early in the year we hammered the Lakers front office. Even at the trade deadline, I was like, yeah, whatever. And they're coming off a title. Now, granted, Steph, once again, injuries have been a little in and out of lineup, but he started the year putting up numbers close to his MVP season. <laughs> How is this team hovering around 500? Like, shouldn't this be more of an embarrassment? Um. <sighs> It's interesting to think about. Uh, I remember having a, a, a pretty long argument with my best friend who um, I don't think I've said this on this pod before, but like Kevin, and I'm Pelton not your, has, that I'm not your best friend. You were not my best friend. Unfortunately, <laughs> I rock with you. You were talking about sprinkling the, the masala. I appreciate it. Uh, I hope that we develop into much, much better friends, but I've known Marcus is like my day one. Basically I've known him since I was five. He just turned 30. Actually today is his birthday. Shout out to Marcus. That's why I'm here in Chicago for a few days. Uh, so that's my boy. Um, but he is very, very, uh, what's the word? He's very stubborn from a basketball standpoint. He's not as analytically inclined as I am certainly. So we'll disagree a lot of times on kind of like eye test versus, you know, what the numbers say. And, he was like, I think somebody on Bleach Report blogged about the fact that an ESPN model had the Warriors at basically 41 and 41 or like the eighth seed. I think I don't even know what the record was, but they had them in the eighth mm -hmm. seed. And Marcus is like, this is ridiculous. This is why numbers are overrated. And like, they can't tell you as much as you actually need to know. They just I was like, well, Marcus, that's actually like why numbers are there is because there's stuff that we assume based on what we see that like, you know, we saw the way the Warriors just won this title. So we think that they're like infallible now. And I said, like, you know, did you read the blog? Like, what, what did it say? Like, what was it leaning on? Whose um, model was it using? And he's like, oh, it was like someone named Kevin Pelton. I'm like, Kevin's really smart. Doesn't mean his model's infallible. And Kevin didn't even agree with what his model spit out. He was like, I'm sure the Warriors will be better than that. But I said, you know, I just like look. I I agree with you that I don't think the Warriors are going to struggle to make the playoffs, but I would also say Kevin's smart. And if something is that off with the way we view it versus what the model says, there's probably some validity to it, and it would be interesting. Like I imagine some of it will have to do with injuries, which lo and behold, Steph has missed a lot of time. Um, 
But I told them like there might be something else that we're missing. That's the whole point of models is that they kind of point out things that we don't see with our own eyes. So lo and behold, now the thing that a lot of us missed because we probably are willing to give uh, Bob Myers the benefit of the doubt, their ownership, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, their bench wasn't ready to play. They've talked for years about this whole two track system, this two tiered system. You have your vets who, you know, you want to ride on to more championships. And then you've got like the younger generation that is supposed to lead you after that. They really wanted to be the Spurs all of a sudden. And it's like, well, yeah, but the Spurs had guys that had enough talent and enough skill because they were sprinkled into the lineup to do that. And the truth was that statistically, you know, I think the model that Pelton had basically showed that, like, there's no bench experience here. Experience normally matters a lot to winning a championship, particularly off your bench. They have none. They have almost none to speak of. And make matters worse, like, a lot of their youngest talent regressed to start the season. They were horrible. Um, certainly Wiseman getting back into the lineup, but uh, also Kaminga was rough to start the year. Um, so those were going to be two of the guys you really leaned on. They, they weren't particularly good. And uh, so should they be better? Like, should we be getting on them more? If Steph missed time, you could have told me anything about this team and I would have believed you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the the key. And quite frankly, they performed better with Steph missed this last stretch of time right. than I ever thought they would. They could be in a worse spot than what they are, to be honest with you. But their bench guys started to put it together a little bit more. They finally just removed Wiseman from the lineup instead of letting him continue to hurt the lineups with net rating. Uh so they, they should be fortunate to be where they are, given how much time Steph has missed, given that Clay was rough to start the year. We all had a lot of questions about him. Charles Barkley is talking about him to where he responds. Um, you know, cool. they're fortunate cool. to be in the spot they're in, and that's saying something. Yeah. They're ninth, right behind New Orleans and Minnesota, who both have injury concerns of their own. I just mentioned Carl Towns. You mentioned Zion in your newsletter. He's... Who knows when he's going to be back? My brother texted me a few months ago, and he was like, "Why aren't we talking about Ja over Zion more?" As kind of like a oh no, you know, big regret. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, let's let the season play out. Zion's been incredible when he plays. Yeah. And my brother just texts me after like every Zion injury update, and he's like, "I'm telling you, man." <laughs> um, Rohan, maybe you and I could be best friends because. Yeah. Me and you have the same view on that. And my best friend, Marcus, he's going to love being shouted out this much. He's going to love it, especially on his birthday. He, um, he, me, him, and one of our other very close friends named Nick have had this group text where every time Ja like had a big game and Zion was sitting out, he'd be like, yo, I'm telling you, I would rather have Ja to build a team around. I'm telling you. And he's been beating that drum since I would say like the middle of the rookie year for the two of them and it's continued to look better and better because Zion hasn't been able to stay healthy when he has, he's been a superstar, but yeah. it's never been long lasting. So yeah. uh, this is a good year for that agenda. And Marcus, <laughs> Marcus would take the place of the person you're talking about. And you, you, it sounds like you and me are on the same page with that, but it's getting harder to deny that with every additional Zion yeah. injury. For sure, man. And the, you mentioned it, but they looked so good. Even when Ingram was out and Zion was healthy, then they, they lost both of them, and they had this massive slide. But I think they'll stabilize a bit with at least Ingram back in the lineup, which is all to say there's no guarantee Golden State gets out of the plan, which is just crazy to think about. Um, They traded Wiseman for Gary Payton. We don't know when GP2 is going to come back. He had this whole saga with the physical, his core injury. 
there's still lingering pain. He may be out until closer to the playoffs. Clay has been fantastic. Like he's been looking like Clay for the last few weeks. I think over the last month even. So that's been a positive development, at least on the offensive end. Clay's putting up really good numbers. I just think it's it's shocking that a team built around Steph Curry didn't seem to take this season more seriously. And yeah. it to me, it's a massive, massive disappointment that they're not a t- title contender. And maybe you still feel that way. I think I, to be honest, if they got the Nuggets in the first round, I'd still be really nervous if I were Denver because of what Steph oh, yeah. do to their defense. There's no question. There's no question. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how some of the decisions they made. I, I thought the Reggie Jackson pick, I didn't get to it in my newsletter. The Reggie Jackson pickup for Denver, I think, is huge. Uh, I liked it I, a lot. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was one of the least talked about um, good moves for any team during the deadline um, because that had been a position that, frankly, hurt them. They gave up Monty Morris um, to get Contavious Caldwell Pope. And, you know, Caldwell Pope fills a real role for them. He's been fantastic. It's not to say he hasn't. But backup point guard um, mm-hmm. is a big role for this team. And kind of speaks to whether or not you could have a good bench lineup or not, um, unless you're playing Jamal Murray with them. So I like that move for them a lot. But still, would I be surprised if Golden State took out Denver? No. Uh, you know, if, if they're both playing at full strength, if Steph is back, if um, the shots are going down for Golden State from three and it extends Denver's defense further, um, it's still a really difficult series. Now, it would be difficult for... Um, you know, on on some level for Golden State to contain Joker, uh, Draymond talked about how much of an MVP Jokic yeah. was last year, and I, I I love that by the way. Me too. Of elite guys being able to give each other credit, um, and you know I think Draymond is one of the more respected guys in the league, despite how despised he is kind of by a lot of fans. Uh, you know, people realize that he's extremely skilled, he's extremely smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that he could kind of give Jokic his props when it seems like a lot of other guys seem to kind of question it or call it out by the way as we talk about the all-star game we're kind of pivot away from that conversation the fact that <laughs> joker pretty much begged lebron to take him so that he wouldn't be the well, last did you see, to take him did you see joker said after after that he didn't realize larry was still on stage oh i didn't see that, that, yeah, he that changes he was, it. i believe him when he says that he was, I believe he that. was like i thought i was the last pick already i didn't see larry there oh well i mean yeah. if he's the last pick you don't have to beg nobody at that point because there's no <laughs> other choice but it it, i mean it was kind of funny because i you know without that context um uh, it still tells you a little bit about how i don't know maybe not i, I maybe you just look at the all-star game as being guard wing dominated but But no there's a weird there's a weird joker sentiment among some players and i think some players have a ton of respect for him i think the players who actually have to guard him like ayton i think ayton i think even Embiid, i think draymond they all give him props in a way that i think some guys just don't really realize yeah which uh so it was i say all that to say golden state would have their hands full too i mean that was they had their hands full with just joker last Mm -hmm. year now you're adding Murray Porter into that conversation, a better rotation of guys with KCP. We were just talking about um, Reggie Jackson. It's, it's a different team. Um, I like the decision to move on from bones Highland. Uh, I just didn't really see enough defense there. And it's like the guy at some point will have to earn more money. 
And I don't see, I, I think they need someone that is a little bit more experienced than him that isn't looking for his shot quite as much as Bones is. So, um, you know, it would be an interesting. I, I kind of hope that matchup happens at some point. I also think if the Nuggets play them tighter, it has the ability to, you know, maybe people have wondered like, man, how could Jokic be the MVP twice in a row if he this, this, and this with this playoff result? That would be a pretty even-handed series, I feel like, particularly mm-hmm. if the Warriors come in as an 8 or a 9 or a 10 or whatever they would be. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. There's two ways we can go with this. Do you want to talk about the Nuggets or Clippers next? Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. Let's okay, because they they played a little bit of uh, the Nuggets and Clippers played a little point guard swap here. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you believe we had a show called Wife Swap? I'm sorry, man. Uh... <laughs> oh man, good lord. Um, uh... anyway. Let's uh let's talk about the Clippers because they get Bones Highland from the Nuggets because they're desperate for a point guard. And just in case you thought they weren't that desperate for a point guard, they then go and sign Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You mentioned I didn't I did not I did not realize it was so stark. I knew the Clippers had not had a great record against good teams. And part of that, you know, if you go through, I'm sure you can look through every game, was Kawhi playing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But they've not been very good against top competition. They sign Westbrook, and not only do they sign Westbrook, they're like, we want Russ to be Russ. We're going to put the ball in his hands. Westbrook is like, I feel wanted. What did you make of all that? 
Um, my first thought was, damn, this dude is moving from one locker room to the other. Uh, and how can you see? How can you not see that just across town, not across town, same arena, just different locker room, that he took a title contender? And granted, it wasn't just him, but I think more than anything, it was him salary-wise replacing the guys that they needed to really round out the rest of that team to make them title contenders. And that seemingly kind of single-handedly his roster spot, his salary number kind of just took that and tore it down. That was the first thing I thought. My second thought, though, is this. And like shout out to Nikias Duncan and other people that have kind of voiced this because I think it's the right approach. For all the failings that Russ has had the last few years, there's at least a chance this can work. I, do I think it will? Wow. No. No. Do I think it will? No. And I think you could probably tell by the tone of what I wrote in the newsletter that I don't think it will. I do think there's something to be said for the fact that like the problem with Russ with the Lakers is exactly what I just said. Russ's number was necessary at the time because Russ was, you know, at one point when he signed that contract was still kind of in demand, not even kind of in demand, was still in demand. Um, That, you know, so his salary isn't a problem for the Clippers now. Um, You can argue about giving him a certain level of a role, um, but it's not a salary question anymore, which really made it inconvenient and like untenable for the Lakers at the time uh, where you know, there are reasons they were talking about waving him, trading him, whatever. Uh, but with the Clippers, like, they do need a point guard. I don't think the type of point guard I would go out and look for is Russ. I'll be honest with you. A big part of me looks at it and says, like, man, Reggie Jackson would have been just fine. Um, you know, I, he, he has yeah, a it was better. strange the way he fell out of the rotation there. I mean, he was so good for them in the playoffs. Right. Over the last couple of years. It just a and weird. he loved playing there. He like yeah. he literally kind of thanks them for reviving his career. Yeah. He had the corrective, uh, I think, LASIK surgery or whatever it was. Um, he was a dead eye shooter at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand John Wall not working out. I think it was always a little bit of a long shot just because of his injury history, his uh-huh. efficiency and stuff like that. Um, but I just don't. Russ, if you can get him to play a certain way, sure. But how long have we been saying that for? I also think that for a team like to me, and this is this will be one of those like mind blown experiences. If he was truly on the block, I think the Clippers could have done really well with having Chris Paul. And that sounds mm. wild. No, I mean he's, him, he's Chris Paul. He's way he's we Chris saw Paul. we saw how much better he was. Are fans upset with him for leaving the Clippers when he did? I don't know how like what the relationship is like there. I think in terms I don't. Of the organization. I think the I think it was fine with the fans. I think organizationally, there was some kind of weird. I don't know if friction is even the right word, but there it felt like there was a lingering thing between him, Doc, and Blake. And you know, you saw Blake okay. go after Doc recently so i don't know if that it would extend up to the front office which has had some new faces come in since he's left but i mean i think chris Paul would be really good on a lot of teams i just yeah they just the, the clippers I, I i think when you've got i think part of the issue the clippers have had for the last couple of years is like Kawhi and paul george both handle the ball a lot they're uh-huh. both capable passers you know they've had high assist totals at times but the ball can stagnate a lot too because, like, they're looking I mean, for their own shots so often. Late in games, they played the Bucks about a week before and they blew that mm-hmm. fourth quarter lead. And watching them try to get shots in the half court down the stretch, right. 
it doesn't it doesn't make sense when you have Kawhi Leonard and it feels like you can't get a good half court shot off. And, that, and and that's what happened when they were in the series with Denver, where they, you know, it yeah. just went down the tubes on them, and they lost because they they had a three one series in that lead, right, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Um. They they just you've got two guys that are good ball handlers, but not every play ball handlers, and also like guys that are more prone, certainly Kawhi, to look for his own shot, and as a result of it, you had those two shoot zero for nine or whatever it was yeah. in the fourth quarter that at that last game. Uh, get somebody that is going to be committed to moving the ball. And that guy, to me, isn't necessarily Russ. Russ is going to look for his own shot plenty. He's not particularly accurate from certain spots, certainly not from three. Um, so I, to me, like getting a point guard, I also thought, you know, he's, like, a, he's, not, a, he's not a table setting point guard. Like Chris Hall also needs the ball in his hands, but he'll pass. <laughs> right. Mike Conley is another guy that was kind of yes. on the trade market that, that kind of strikes me the same way of like, uh, you know, I thought that would have been good for the Lakers as well. I think the Lakers, by the way, we'll, we'll get to them, but like, I thought the Lakers had a really nice deadline. I just wish that they would have pulled the trigger a lot sooner in terms of getting some, but getting guys that yeah, could too make little, a too late, too little. Too we'll late. see. I, I think they're still capable. Like if you look at the standings, everybody's bunched up within two or three games. Right. I don't think it again. I don't think it's likely, but you know, I would have loved to have seen the Clippers gotten someone that was a little bit less needing of the ball you know as far as uh shooting it and um for the lakers i tend to think it's a little bit late but we've seen crazier things happen if if they're healthy if lebron and ad are healthy i think now you've got the anchor and by anchor i mean just something that weighs stuff down off the roster and rust you know weighs stuff down from a spacing standpoint you know the questions and the constant questions about fit have to take a toll at some point um so now that they've just got a roster that seems to kind of make sense, some guys that can shoot, Bamba there, uh, you got Beasley. Um, it, it, it's, it's just a team that makes a little bit more sense. So I'm curious to see what happens. I just can't believe they signed Russ. I I, <laughs> I can't believe it. And, you, it. and I brought it up in the context of them playing good teams. Their playoff opponents would love if they put Westbrook on the floor. Love if they put Westbrook on the floor because now you're bringing doubles at Kawhi. Now you're bringing doubles at Paul George. I'm going to look because he even shot like I think he shot 40% from the field in the playoffs the last. I don't even know if he has, though. It's like probably close. He struggled so badly in playoff series just because it's so clear you're going to leave him open. I can remember back to a couple years ago when Ennis Cantor uh, just ignored him. And uh, and Russ was like, okay, I'm going to shoot it. And it just was not close. Uh, and I say this as someone who genuinely, I, <laughs> I didn't mind Russ winning on it, winning MVP. Frankly, I wanted him to win MVP. It was fun. I know that some people think it's basically ruined the award since. Um, it's just, I, I don't see how he works anymore. <laughs> Shelby pointing out that it is <laughs> then Ennis Cantor currently. Ennis Freedom. Um, <laughs> As a side uh, note, I'm looking at Russ's numbers. So um playoffs in 2021, he shot 33%. Um cool. you know, Western Conference semis with Houston, 42%, 41% um the series before that, but 36% in the first round, Oklahoma City lost to Portland where uh Dame hit that crazy shot over Paul George. Um, looks like 39.8% 
the year before that, uh, 38.8% the year before that, uh, Western Conference Finals, 39.5, Like, Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, I just don't, <laughs> even if he works for you now, which would be wonderful if he does, if you're the Clippers, he's just not a good enough jump shooter. And and if you're shooting those percentages, you, you couldn't be a good enough finisher at the basket either to be shooting sub 40s most of these these, this is like the last five six years it's it's not a pattern anymore it's just like it's the way it is and you know i wrote a piece um shortly after i got to sports illustrated about the way these players age mm-hmm. and how much faster they're aging i use blake griffin as the cover of it but russell westbrook was mentioned in the story just about like you can look at how often these guys are dunking um traditionally until their dunk percentage when it falls off that their athleticism is really starting to wane and you know combine that with the way they finish at the basket you can tell which guys are just losing their legs and blake obviously was one of them russ was the other one where it was just becoming abundantly clear that it was happening and uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's not lost on anybody so I, I as much as we talk about him i hope that one this is not his last year but if it's you know i don't think it will be but i hope that he has a graceful like send off that it's not this conversation every time. And I feel like by playing with contenders and playing for the money that he's playing for, that's generally what it turns into. Uh, so I do think that just that part of it, maybe having some of that pressure removed by being a guy that is just, you know, he was a, a buyout guy. And because of that, maybe this isn't as much pressure on him. But it does feel like a little bit because the a lot of people pick the Clippers as the finals favorites. Um, so we'll see. We'll just have to see. But I, I'm, I'm not feeling great about it. Is Jokic your MVP today? I think he has to be, man. Like I, you know, I, I was in the gym. He, I, I, when you see the Bucks record, I think I'm coming around to a Giannis MVP. But go ahead. Okay, I understand that thinking. I do struggle a little bit with it, and and I've always said this: if I have a bias, my bias is that certainly for most improved, but I think even for MVP, it's kind of like my question is like what are you doing at a completely different level than you did last year? Mm. And uh, Giannis, his efficiency numbers have kind of tumbled. He's he's pretty much as bad as he's ever been from three. I think that's also true of from the line. Um, Mm. So he, I mean, he's been incredible from two, which is what he always is. He's been incredible on defense. Still, he's one of the best rim protectors in the league. He obviously is not just a rim protector. Um, he's averaging more points than he's ever averaged before. And he's done it without having the guy that most people would consider to be like the most um, traditional wing scorer they have uh, in Middleton. Middleton either hasn't played or when he's played up until lately was not good. So that takes a lot out of Giannis to have to do all that. Um, You know, the guys had weeks where he was averaging 40, 45 points a game. He's been incredible. It is I yeah, just kind of to, to your point, worst shooting percentage in five years and most turnovers of his career. It's hard for me to call that an MVP. Like Norm, I'm used to seeing these guys play their best and be deserving of MVP. And I think mm. Jokic is the only guy you can kind of say that for. Now, I think as always with Giannis, if he's losing an MVP to Jokic, Jokic has to be pulling his own weight defensively. He hasn't looked great all the time. Denver has not looked great all the time. We've we've questioned sometimes how much of that is scheme. There have been times where, you know, Jokic has been kind of dominated by some of the other guys in this race. Embiid had a 47 and 18 game on him. So, you know, it, 
I struggle with it a little bit from that standpoint of just like how it looks. Uh, Giannis has been really dominant this year. Embiid has been dominant. Embiid was leading the league in scoring until very recently. Giannis is not far off that either. Uh, my thing, though, is that Jokic has just been so efficient. Like, I think I saw... It's nuts. It's nuts. He, he's, he's shooting... What is the guy shooting for here? 63%? 63%, uh, yep. He's efficient from everywhere. I mean, it's like basically anywhere the guy shoots from the corners, the wing, inside the arc, outside the arc, at the basket. He's just, you know, you look at a shot chart, a shot chart is just green everywhere. Um, he's assisting, like, the Nuggets are shooting like 60 some percent off his passes this year. Like, he's not possessing the ball that much. I think he's probably barely in the top 30 or top mm-hmm. 40 and possession for time time of possession per game but he's assisting 10 guys 10 assists a game um i he's averaging a triple double and it, the difference between he and westbrook is i don't get the impression he's stat padding i don't know how he would he doesn't have the ball in his hands more than anybody else uh murray has the ball more than he does so it's like he's not even possessing the ball the whole time he's also not playing these entire games because he oftentimes, you know, they're winning by so much. He's got a triple-double already. They pull him early. He's been the a, the best version of himself, and I kind of feel like that's generally what I trend toward as far as who does this award belong to. I can't really consider Embiid for how much more I can consider him, but I can't really say he deserves it when Jokic is responsible for so many more points over the course of a game and Embiid for how good he's been defensively. He's not been great, which I kind of feel like is normally his opportunity to overtake Jokic. I don't think he's been great defensively. I I think he's been better lately. He was slow to start the year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still open-minded about it, but I, you know, I, my thought is that if Jokic stays healthy, that this is probably his award again, not to mention that Denver is in first place. And the reason that Jokic has been more efficient is, is the, uh, you know, the fact that he's got two other guys to kind of carry some of the load for him scoring ones. They've got a nice little cushion in the West now, too. Five and games, after, like yeah, that. five games, exactly right. And on top of it today, Harry, they got us. You <laughs> the chest. It was the way Boston started the year. It looked like they were going to be record-wise far and away of some other teams. And, you know, there's some metrics about Boston that you'd still think they're maybe the best team in the league, but... Nuggets are right there, one game behind them. The Bucks, though, are a half game actually ahead of the Nuggets, yeah. which is another reason why I throw Giannis in that conversation. They've won 12 in a row in large part because they're finally getting healthy. I mean, Chris Middleton only finally starting to get to his normal minutes load in recent games, although we'll see what happens with this Giannis wrist injury. Oh, yeah, um, that sounds so – like they haven't really said anything. They said he'll get yeah. back to playing once he's, like, feeling better. I'm like, yeah, that's how yeah, injuries work. He's work, yeah. Um, what, but how do you you ask me the question? Let me flip it around on you. Like, where do you feel like the race is, and do you feel like there's anybody that's you mentioned Giannis? And, and he he for I did that straw poll with um Bontemps. Giannis was number two on my ballot for that. I had Jokic one. Do you feel like it's still a competitive race, or do you kind of feel like Jokic is going to eventually run away with this? I think it'll be a competitive race, and th- the problem is when you talk about it, you have to now. It's like, do you factor in how you think people will vote? Because it's in order for you, I don't think there's a scenario in which Jokic runs away with it, even though, you know, again, he was leading that straw poll. I think it's going to be, he's going to have to, the Nuggets are going to have to really pull away in the West. And mm-hmm. again, they've started to do so, but I think they're also going to have to pull ahead of Boston and Milwaukee 
to a more significant degree for him to run away with it. I think that there is, it's, I think I'd pick Jokic, but like there's some weird part of me that feels like I can't say that because of how toxic the discourse has gotten. And I don't want to be seen as like a Jokic advanced stats nerd, even though it's not all advanced stats. You know what's weird about it though? Like I, I've always made a point to follow a lot of fans from different fan bases, you know, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of hear what the dialogue is or what people are talking about. Um, I've seen a lot of people that I don't know if they're Sixers fans, but like I've seen a lot of people that certainly think that Jokic was maybe a little overhyped, but they've been like, okay, yeah, now he deserves it. The last two years people were tripping. Like he was not that much better than everybody else to where he deserved two in a row. Um, you know, this is the first year in which he's deserved it, which I've seen some people say that. And it's like, mm, he was still, there was still a gap there efficiency wise between him and everybody else. He was scoring more the last couple of years because he had to, this is him really picking his spots and just as efficient as you could really possibly be. Um, the assist stuff is just off the charts. Um, I, I do. I, I'll be the first one to say that like him playing in, as many games as he plays in helps his case. Mm-hmm. Everybody else gets hurt. Steph yeah. is out. Embiid has been a lot healthier lately, like the last couple of years, but he still misses time and has missed time this year. I think more than Jokic has. Giannis is about to miss time. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant is a guy that would have been in the conversation. He's missed time. LeBron, we were talking about AD having an MVP level season. He missed time. So it's like at a certain point when you're that consistently in the lineup, and you're that yeah. dominant, you have a chance to just collect and pile up stats in a way that nobody else does to that extent. So we'll see. I like I I don't buy the idea that he didn't deserve it either the other two years. You could argue that someone else maybe deserved a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if anything, this year is showing you why he was at the top of so many people's ballots before. He's doing a lot of the same yeah. stuff, but even more efficiently than he did it before, and piling up the numbers even create more crazy than he was before but uh i don't know at this point i think it's him uh, luca i think it becomes a more difficult argument for him too now that he's got Kyrie, um where he's mm-hmm. just not going to be able to run away with stuff statistically anymore it will be interesting to see how it shakes out he has been fantastic I, people know i'm a big joker fan and it's sad to me that the discourse got so poisoned and People got so kind of annoyed by. I think there's something we said about the, the the cases being made for Jokic at times felt a little patronizing, a little condescending. That's something I, some people are going to have to own, perhaps myself included to some extent. But he has been really good. And one thing I'll push back on is people say historically, what does it mean to win three MVPs in a row? Mm-hmm. How can we give it to someone? we just have so much more information available to us now than we did 20 years ago. I've said this before, but just the fact that so many more people have league pass <laughs> MVP cases just are a lot different. Now the way we cover the league is a lot different now. I think there are a lot of factors that go into something like this. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's zoom to just the East for a second. We we talked about Milwaukee. I mentioned Boston. I think it's fair to say those are the, the clear-cut two best teams in the East. Boston's offense is, even though it's dipped slightly since the start of the season, has still just been such a juggernaut the whole year. They're so tough to stop. Milwaukee's coming along now. I think the rotation's really starting to take shape with Milton there. I like how Ingles has looked. I think Ingles has looked and played well for them. I like when he has the ball in his hands and kind of some of those second units. They're getting Jay Crowder. Do you think, you know, Philly's in third place. The Cavs Mm -hmm. actually have the same number of wins as them. Tell me how this happens. The Cavaliers have played four more games than the Sixers. Four. They have the same (laughs) number of wins, but Cleveland has four more losses. That does not make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I I know that the Heat signed Kevin Love and shot up to number one in all the sports books for title odds after that buyout signing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh I, I, for a minute i was like wait a minute that's not oh, that's, oh he's making the joke okay got you uh, <laughs> do you think there's a team outside of boston and milwaukee that you think could beat them do you, do you think is there a third contender in this conference or do let boston me, and milwaukee have it let me throw this team out and just kind of see how it lands um Cleveland's going to be really interesting in this conversation, I think. Uh, do I think that they'll win the conference? No. Uh, it, it's, you know, and I'm I'm working on a story about the Kings right now about, I mean, they're, they're kind of the equivalent in some ways. Cleveland, I think, mm. is in, Cleveland's in fourth by two games, two games behind Philly. And Sacramento is in third by three games behind uh, Memphis. Mm-hmm. And they're only one game ahead of the Clippers for, for fourth. Um, 
Cleveland has what might be what the easiest schedule left in the mm. not the easiest schedule. They've got the second easiest schedule left in the East. Detroit is the only team that has an easier schedule left. They're you know the fourth easiest schedule in the whole league. Philly has the toughest schedule left in the league. Uh, so from that standpoint, it's feasible to think between that between the idea that like Philly is more injury prone um, with Embiid with Harden. Maxi missed a lot of time this year. Uh, maybe they got the injury bug out of their system already because of that. But it's it's very feasible that Cleveland could finish on par, if not ahead, of Philly. If that's the case, um, and who's to say that like we don't know how much time Giannis will miss? Um, Cleveland could finish second or third. It's a little early, but if that's the case, like, and I, I think this is what makes Sacramento so interesting. I'm not used to looking at a team three quarters of the way through the season in third place and not considering them to be a, a, a contender, uh-huh. but no one's going to consider second. I wrote this in the newsletter. The difference between the Clippers and um, Sacramento is that Sacramento had no expectations uh, going into this season, really. Uh, and the Clippers did. And so, you know, even hell i talked to monty mcnair uh from the kings when i was out there to work on story and i asked him like is it kind of strange to like one make it so plain that your real goal your sole goal here this year is to make the playoffs is it going to be a weird pivot to have to jump from saying that out loud to then being like as soon as you get there now you have to you want to win like it's not just about making the playoffs once you make it there uh Mm -hmm. and he was like yeah you know i understand what you mean like you always get a little bit greedy once you get a little taste of it um cleveland has not made the playoffs without lebron since the 90s uh they were very close last year they did not quite get there it seems like they're going to get there this year they should and and i think it actually is maybe not likely but it's pretty close to likely that they'll maybe even finish in one of the top three spots so i think they're a team that when you look at them they've had the best net rating uh outside of boston for the year they've had the best defense for a couple months now despite having donovan mitchell and darius garland in their backcourt you have to take a team like that seriously. Like they've got as much scoring threat from the backcourt as anybody. They've got the best defense in the league statistically, and they've got the easiest schedule coming up basically of anybody that's going to make the playoffs in the East. Uh, does that make them a great team? That the fact that they can load up on wins against some of these bad teams? I don't know. Like they don't have any playoff experience of their own, but Donovan Mitchell obviously brings a lot of that himself. Um, I'm just curious. I, I I do think you have to include them in that conversation. I think it would be short-sighted not to. Yeah, I mean, second-best net rating in the NBA is very compelling. You brought that up. <laughs> if Danny Green has anything left... Man. <laughs> that is... Uh, you hate to hitch your wagon to a buyout guy, but, oh, would Danny Green of five years ago be the exact player they need? Ooh, that would be perfect for them. I would love that. I, I I hope he's got something left because he like not just as a vet, but just like a guy that doesn't need shots. It is going to work hard. You know, we we, we all know Dude, how great a transition you, defender he is. He's willing you, to do the dirty work. You put him in the corner. You have him do that annoying Danny Green baseline. You know, corner to corner <laughs> cut. Yeah. The thing is, you don't need him to start. You don't need him to play thirty minutes a game. But if you could get. 22 minutes from Danny Green in the playoffs and he can close games for you. I don't even and, know if you need 22 from him. Like 
15, 20, I think you'd be set. You know, like if you could get that, that's a big thing for that team that has kind of cycled through that position all year, right? Okoro, uh, yeah. Lavert, they had, uh, why am I uh, blanking on his name? The Dean guy that Wade, plays Dean Wade. Dean Wade, yeah, the guy yeah. plays some three and four for them. Yeah, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a team that has uh, Lamar. They they've got a lot of guys that have Lamar filled that Stevens, role for yeah. them. They've got Chetty. They they've got a lot of guys, but he he there's potential there. Like we haven't yeah. seen it from him enough this season. Uh, he's coming back off a major injury, but if he can give them anything, like they're they've got enough pieces and they've got a good enough defense to where yeah. that's a team that could surprise people, even though they haven't made the playoffs with this iteration of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Okoro's looked mildly friskier recently, but I think teams are going to go Andre Robertson mode on him in the playoffs. Absolutely. Make him prove it. Yeah. He shot 26% through the beginning of the year. And granted, he's been like, I think closer to 42, 43, whatever it is since then. Um, but it's still on a shot and a half a game or whatever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're going to make him prove it. And if, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the Cavs. How big a threat are they in the playoffs? How many of your guys have been through this kind of fire before? And uh, the fact that a lot of them have not been will be interesting. So it'll be worth watching yeah. for sure. Um, There are a bunch of teams we didn't get to today that we will talk about, you know, the coming weeks. The Grizzlies, we haven't talked about much. Um. Although we we talked about we talked about the Grizzlies a lot, the Suns a lot on our trade deadline mega podcast from a couple weeks ago. If you guys are looking for some stuff, but I want to end with this question today, Herring, and I'm going to put you on the spot okay. a little bit here. Tell me right, uh, right now. I don't need a pick. I just need a. What are you thinking? Where's your head at? A friendly check in. <laughs> Tell me the two teams right now. That you feel like are making the NBA Finals? Mm, um, you know, for the sake of this was my pick before the season, I'll stick with it. And also, they're on a twelve-game winning streak, albeit now without Giannis. Milwaukee, I'll keep them. Uh, out of the West, my pick before the season was the Clippers. I just told you I don't really see that possible. <laughs> I don't see it. Um, I had taken the Grizzlies at a different point in the season. They're not looking great either, and they haven't been good enough on the road to justify that. So I'll say Phoenix now. I Look, my only real criticism of them, not criticism, my only worry about them for real, for right now is the health, um, which I think was a very fair thing to be concerned about given that Chris yeah. Paul, um, Devin Booker, and obviously Kevin Durant still are, were out, are out, have been out. Uh, it's 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 a curiosity that I'm going to have until they make it through the season healthy. Um, even if they make it through the season healthy, it's a curiosity I'm going to have mm-hmm. next season as Chris Paul gets older and Kevin Durant has annual perennial injuries. Uh, it's just going to be a question. It, it just is. Uh, I think it's been overblown a little bit for people to say that they don't know that Phoenix has the depth. They've got a lot of guys on this team that don't even have to play anymore, like Okogie, um Akogi's been a good player for them. I know that locally he like, has. Locally, they've really liked him too. The energy he brings, the offensive mm-hmm. rebounding. I liked the Terrence Ross pickup for them. Yep. Just someone who can bomb away some threes if he can hold up defensively in the playoffs, at least in the first round or two. Damian so, Lee's had a nice season. Damian I mean, Lee's been Tory good Craig. for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you've got a lot. Landry Shamit is on this. Like, you got guys that you don't even really have to use. They got TJ Warren in that trade too for for Durant, like they've got a lot of dudes on this team that 
can help in some way, shape, or form. It you yeah. know it doesn't have to be every night. Uh, they've got a lot of shooters, which that's what you want around Durant and a bunch of guys that can and will operate from the mid range as much as they do. Uh, and Aiton is not a bad guy to be able to throw into the post. Like it's a, it's a pretty loaded team. It's again, it's just a health question for me. Yeah. And given that that's the only question that I can't really pick apart several weaknesses after that, uh, like I'll, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll go with them as the favorite. I don't think they're a, a, a vast favorite because of the health questions, but um, you know, I, I, I like their versatility a little bit more than Denver's at this point and their two way ability more than Denver's mm. at this point. When you consider that the Nets went eighteen and two when Durant was healthy, they had that stretch. I like the Suns team more than the Nets team. Yeah. That that Durant was so if he can get healthy, they could go on a nice little run here to finish the regular season, especially with Book. He's been right. at an incredible level this year. CB3's looked so much better recently. I think I'm gonna join you. I'm gonna go with the rematch. It's so hard to trust them after last so year, but it's like, can you, them. but if, but if they, I mean, but if but you it's add Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant to that yeah. equation and he's healthy again, that's the only real question I've got. Yeah. I, I do think it becomes interesting if Chris Paul is just not playing well, uh-huh. uh, but he's also more likely to play well with that collection of talent than, than last year. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to yeah. see. And I, I cannot wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. I would have liked Reggie Jackson there too, by the way. That would have been a fun one. But like you said, Damian Lee, they've had good they they're missing campaign. I, I saw campaign in December and I was like, get well soon, man. He's like, it's coming. Still been a couple months. So um <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. They're uh I know people are still scarred from what they saw in that game seven, but I'm with <laughs> you, and I think that would be a fun, a very fun NBA finals. But Chris, that will do it. For today's episode of Open Floor, everyone make sure you are subscribed to The Playmaker. If you somehow haven't bought Chris's book yet, I'm sure there's some holiday. Maybe you forgot a Valentine's Day present. Um, Get it for the Knicks fan in your life. Uh, Chris, have you seen the new Ant-Man movie, by the way? I have not. How is it? Yeah, don't, man. That was a mistake. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That note... uh, Everyone, enjoy the last 20 games of the NBA season. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.